my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Howdy, hey, and hello there. Welcome to another episode of Weird Finance, where we try to help you feel a little less weird about money, one conversation at a time. I'm your host, Paco DeLeon, and on this week's episode, I'm chatting with Berna Anat. My wife has taught me that sometimes when she talks to me about her problems, she isn't looking for solutions. Sometimes she just wants to talk. She wants to be heard. Lately, a lot of my conversations with people and money have been just like this. Folks are frustrated with circumstances outside of their control. There's higher interest rates, student loan payments resuming, inflation, an impossible housing market, and for my fellow Angelinos, the trickle-down impact of the Hollywood strike. This week's episode features a financial expert who is also an author and speaker, Berna Anat. But unlike my typical conversations with financial experts, we aren't coming to you this week with solutions. Instead, we had a very real, honest, raw conversation about our own struggles as creators that make money in an economy that monetizes attention. So if you're struggling with your finances right now, I hope my conversation with Berna helps you feel like you're not alone. (laughs) 
Berna, 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 I am so excited that you have agreed to jump on this podcast and have a conversation with me. So I want to thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I am a big Weird Finance fangirl, and I'm also just like a general Paco fangirl. I hope that over the last three to five years, you've had random buzzings in your ears because I'm probably somewhere on a Zoom being like, do you know about... Paco, I'm a massive fan and this is an incredible show. Thank you for having me. Wow. I'm going to call you every morning when I'm feeling like, does my work matter? I'm going to call <laughs> you and you're going to help me get out of bed. So thank you for that, Bern. I appreciate it. Yes. All right. So I've watched you go from a random woman reaching out to me six, seven years ago saying, yes. hey, will you watch my first YouTube video about budgeting? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Right? <laughs> cringe. The cringe. <laughs> no, it was, the cringe. Cr- it was great. Felicia's wallet. To... <laughs> that is how I reached out to you. It is, Oh, yeah. my God. I went... Ooh, she has a jump scare, girl. I should have <laughs> let me know. Sorry. It's okay. I'm getting real reactions here. I, yeah. pre- prepping for the interview, I was like, I think that's how Berna and I became friends. So I went to, into the deep search and I was like, yep, here it is. And so I watched you go from, uh, you know, reaching out to me about your first YouTube video to becoming a full-on Finfluencer. You're Mm -hmm. an author, you're a speaker, you're a financial hype woman. I would Mm -hmm. love to just hear a little bit about your origin story. How how did you become the financial hype woman that is sitting before me today? Oh my God. First of all, I need to just like, like a hat, just remove the embarrassment and the cringe that has grown upon me (laughs) as we're talking about this, because that's absolutely I really did do that. I was, there were not a lot, as you know, there were not a lot of people who weren't Dave Ramsey to follow in the footsteps of in terms of of financial education. And so let's bring it all the way back to those Felicia's wallet days. So I am, I'm Berna Annette, financial educator, et cetera, et cetera. I'm first-gen Filipino-American daughter of immigrants and, you know, coming at you from the Bay Area where I was born and raised. And I became a financial hype woman because I was basically doing like the reason I was in Paco's inbox, just sliding in cold is because I was trying (laughs) and I've been trying to put in the money world what I think is missing, which for me, it's fun. It's relativity, enthusiasm, clarity, like someone who can speak to me the way that I speak to myself that can translate all of this finance ease into things, not just that I understand, but I'm enjoying understanding. And so once upon a time, I went on a budgeting journey. I opened a Google Doc because I was learning how to try and get rid of my $50,000 of debt. I named this Google Doc Felicia's Wallet because, and this might date us a little bit, but at the time, everyone was like, buy Felicia, buy Felicia, buy Felicia. (laughs) And there was a meme that was like, I want to see Felicia's passport. She seems to always be going somewhere. Like we keep saying bye to her. And I was like, I want to see Felicia's wallet. Like if she has all this money to be able to leave all the time. So I jokingly called it Felicia's wallet. And it started off as a Google Doc where I started just journaling every time I got a paycheck, my feelings about money. And then I shared on Instagram once upon a time, like it was back when we, it was okay to put like boomerangs on feed. (laughs) I shared, (laughs) the cringe is upon us really in this episode. I shared a boomerang of me scrolling up and down through that Google Doc and just being like, look, y'all, mom has learned how to budget. How wild. Like, this is something I never learned before, not coming from a financial background at all, coming from, again, immigrant parents who did everything they could to help us assimilate, but also didn't know a lot about finance themselves. I was like, this is weird. I'm learning this new thing. And 
the response from that was so massive, comments and DMs. So I made a YouTube video about what I do. And that is what brought me to you, Paco. I feel like we were just talking about like advice via people like Tim Ferriss. I feel like I saw something once upon a time that was like, if you want to grow as a creator, reach out to people that you admire and ask them for feedback. Like that's a means of connecting with someone you like. And I was like, I love Paco. <laughs> Hell yeah, bookkeeping is so cool. They're doing exactly like inside of the realm of like what I want to be doing. And so that's what brought me to your inbox. God. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, it wasn't cringy at all. I thought it was so cool. I, I remember I read the response that I that I sent to you and I was like, you're so hilarious. This is, I had a lack of imagination even when it came to making entertaining finance content. So there was a lot of pats on the backs and high fives in that email. So no, no cringe feeling necessary, but, but also, you know, feel your feelings, Berna. Yeah, I'm feeling them. This is what I'm trying to do in therapy. I'm just like, don't shove the feelings away. Like, wear them like a hat, just let it be, and then like, let it wash away. And so the cringe is coming in waves, but we're dealing with it. (laughs) Okay, so it sounds like you didn't set out to make your career educating people about personal finance. How did that grow? Did it feel like a wave that like took you? Absolutely. Yes. As a water baby, I'm really liking all of these, like this water imagery. Yes. It definitely was a wave that took me because before that, I was maybe around 25, 26 when I started kind of sniffing at like, what is budgeting? What is all this stuff? I need to get my adulting life together. Before that, my dream as a kid was to be the editor of a teen magazine. Remember magazines? I wanted to write. I wanted to, I wanted to be Devil Wears Prada, but like for cool young people. And so I majored in PR, I majored in journalism. I was like in New York City after graduation doing PR and journalism things. I was also working for the YMCA. I was doing a lot of youth programming stuff, which I loved and I still love. But coming into this financial education stuff was totally like, yeah, it was like, I just rode the wave. The wave really started from that boomerang on feed feeling like, budgeting? Girl, I don't know. And people are like, I also don't know. But I've never seen anyone in my feed talking about it. I've never seen women talking about it. Never seen women of color talking about it. If I have seen anybody talking about it, they're talking from this place of I am an expert and I'm wagging my finger down at you and here's what you should know. People were really taken aback by someone who was like, I'm down to just like learn out loud. I don't know, this probably isn't right, but I'm going to say it anyway. (laughs) Realizing that like, when you break that wall, right, the wall of money as taboo, money that we don't talk about it, it opened the floodgates. And from there, I was like, oh, let me make another YouTube video. Oh, people are like, let me make more. What, this company wants to pay me $100 to make a YouTube video? Sounds good. And so it just grew from there. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, I feel kind of like my career was also that wavish feeling, definitely the media stuff. Like, I wanted to leave finance. I'm Mm -hmm. not sure if you're familiar with the story, but I wanted to leave it because I thought, man, these people at these big gas companies, they only see me as like an admin person. They, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to make my way up to become an executive. And it's just, it's hard, right? Everybody is either has the last name of the guy who works there or (laughs) looks a certain way. And I don't look like that. And it's hard for me to figure out how to articulate my value and what I can bring to this. And so I left and I was like, fuck finance, you know, I don't want (laughs) this. But 
I just was sitting quietly like every single morning asking, what what should I do? What should I do? And then like the voice kept saying like, maybe you should try to, you know, do what you, you have sharp tools. Maybe you should try to use those sharp tools to help your community, which is creative professionals. And it's just been an experiment, right? Like, could I run a bookkeeping agency that I could probably make money doing that? Oh shit, I need to have clients. So like, let me do a blog real quick. And then... (laughs) I guess I could do... Sure, (laughs) let me just... That's exactly... I feel like that's exactly how I've built my business up until now. I'm just like, oh, it sounds good. Let me try it. Oh, that's working. Oh, that burned down, right? Walk away. Exactly. Or do I want to burn that thing down, right? Or... (laughs) (laughs) I'm in a burn things down place. So I hope we get into that. But it's so funny how we find ourselves, I'm sure both in positions of... I guess, influence or people I'm sure ask you all the time, like, how did you get to where you are? And as if it was like an incredibly deliberate thing that you knew all the steps of building when really we're two people who are like, (laughs) it happened in that while. I mean, I always tell people that my timing was divine. I don't know if Mm. you feel that way at all, but like 10 years ago, it would have been a hard sell to be like, hey, I know I look like this, but just trust me here, you know? (laughs) (laughs) A hundred percent. I mean, considering the fact too that you worked in finance, you were like inside of that world. That's part of why I was so like, oh, Paco's doing it. Like, this is someone that I should follow. Imagine me 10 years ago, who was like, didn't work in finance, Googled a bunch, read a (laughs) bunch of books, gonna start talking anyway. Like the ejection would have been so swift. (laughs) And now I think, it's been so interesting to sort of come up in the creator economy this way where people trust you because you are who you are and like your background adds to it doesn't necessarily subtract from it. And like the transparency is so important in that transaction, but like, it's amazing. Like this, this really would not have flown a decade ago for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel weird about identity. (laughs) (laughs) Word. (laughs) Agreed. And I feel also weird about publicly admitting this, but it does kind of feel weird that, and I don't, tell me if if you don't agree, we don't have to go down this road, but Mm. I feel like you're already agreeing, but it does feel odd to like have to use your identity or your identity is like such a lever for getting things Mm. (laughs) like Mm. opportunities People want to work with you for your identity. Brands want to work with you for your identity. I It just feels, I've never like led with that my whole life, mostly because I didn't see it as an asset. I saw it as a liability. So mm. I was like, let me try to be just like funny, like funny works. <laughs> <laughs> That's applicable to everyone right. likes funny, yeah. right? <laughs> so like I really worked on being funny and like, you know, kind, not disrespectful to others and And then I think all of those, like, you know, just being like not a dick in life, Mm. plus the identity has really pushed me into like this level of success. And it just feels a little bit weird. Do you feel any feelings about this whatsoever? 100,000%. It's like very much gift and a curse. It feels weird as in, I feel like I'm cheating. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like I you and I are both often paid to just be ourselves in spaces, right? And you're being rewarded to be yourself and you're being given opportunities because of who you are. And that sounds, it feels really cool. It's one of those things where like, I remember a few years ago, I was volunteering at a middle school for some sort of career night and they had all the students write down what they wanted to be. And like a third of the students were like, I want to be an influencer. 
And so they were like, if you want to be an influencer, go talk to Berna. So I'm like at this table full of young kids who are like, I want to be an influencer. And I was like, uh, even at that point, I was like, hold up, hold up, hold up. They were like, oh, slow your horses. Why do you want to be an influencer? And a majority of them were like, you get, to, you're paid to be yourself. You get to get paid to be you, which is very much what we, I think as creators, maybe not we, royal we, but a lot of creators and influencers give off. And that is pretty sweet, but it's also so strange that like your personhood is connected to your business. Your personhood is connected to the way you make money, to know that you're being invited into rooms and you say the word identity, which I know is like a giant umbrella for so many things. You might be getting invited into things because you are brown, because you are a woman, because you are a brown woman. But when she opens her mouth, it's not threatening. Wow, <laughs> she's funny. She makes you feel comfortable. So like, that's cool. She's on this panel about race. Like, it is. it feels like steps forward, steps back, steps forward, steps back. It's a very, very strange space to be in. Yeah, and you can't, I'm not saying it's not important that people like us are not, you know, having platforms is important because the example I always use with my wife is, can you imagine if Olivia Rodrigo's album came out when we were like 12? It would have blown yeah. our minds because, yes. you know, she's half Filipino and you just, you haven't, yes. we haven't seen that level of pop stardom with somebody that looks like us. And now I, like I know, and you probably know this too, that people reach out to you and they're like, I'm glad you got this book written. I didn't know. And it happens to me all the time still. Like, Yesterday, I spoke with this woman who is also Filipino, and mm -hmm. she's an influencer in the credit card point space. And mm -hmm. I didn't know that I wanted to hear things from her until I saw her face pop up in my feed one day. And I was like, oh, so like, this isn't some like quirky thing that I'm into, right? Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, because all I saw before was like this kind of like tech bro -y energy when it came to credit card points and yes. gaming the system and travel hacking and stuff like that. So I thought I was like, oh, look at me being quirky. I'm into this like thing that's not for me. That's subconsciously so what I thought, right? So mm -hmm. unique, not mm -hmm. like other girls. But then <laughs> when I saw her, I was like, oh yeah, that's weird that I still have that thing inside of me. Or like one of the things I love to ask some of my guy friends is like, have you ever watched a movie? When, do you have any memories of watching a movie growing up? That's maybe like coming of age or something that you connected with, but the main character was a girl and they're all like, Never. No. <laughs> of course not. It's like, it's this very lizard brain function, right? And I think that's what happens a lot of the time. Sometimes in my most insecure moments, that's what I think is happening with my, sometimes with my community or people who follow me. I'm like, I am not sure if they are double checking my financial education that I'm giving them or like, is it completely sound? I think a lot of the times they're just like, oh, at the base level, it is a woman who looks and lives like me. Filipino, or a lot of the times they're like, it's got to be half Filipino. I'm full. I'm full Filipino, by the way. Just like, she's got to be some sort of what? And they're just amazed that there is someone like us talking about money at all. Because it's like a, I didn't know I needed until I experienced it type of situation. And it like, it really, I keep pointing to the back of my neck because it really feels like this. It almost doesn't matter what she's saying. I love her. Like, I, <laughs> and it's great because she is smart and sharp, but I also feel attached to Paco because I automatically assume we have similar identities and therefore similar experiences. What she says is going to be aligned to what I want. And it's just, I make a lot of assumptions from it. Yeah, I guess that's, there's like a shorthand that I know that you and I are going to have, right? Yes. And I, maybe that's why, okay, I'm glad we talked through this because now I recognize definitely the value of identity, 
Mm-hmm. But also that doesn't make it not weird for the person who feels like sometimes they're being tokenized or when you realize like that's, I don't know, that's so valuable. And you know that there's, you know, we're like a pie. There's, there's, there's other slices. <laughs> there's more to us, right? A hundred percent. And sometimes I'm like, I feel a sort of grating feeling of like, ugh, like I'm only being picked or given opportunities or people are following me because of one slice of my identity and I'm like, oh man, like, I wish, I wish they knew how complicated of a pizza pie I was, which is one, not necessary, but two, <laughs> like one part that does make me feel good is like, if I am what gets them into the conversation about money entirely, and then their money brain and their money understanding, like gets more complicated, sophisticated, layered or whatever. And, but I was their entryway, like I was the gateway drug. I'm happy with that too. Like there's a part of me that's very psyched to just like, yeah, I'm the first. I like I, I liken it to like when you go to a house party that someone invited you to, right? And you get to the house and you go there, but you can't find the friend that brought you there. And you're like, oh, what the heck? Like, shoot. And you're kind of, you see people in their groups and like people are there for hours before you. And you're like, I don't know how to navigate this. And like, you're about to leave. But then your friend finds you and they're like, oh my gosh, Paco, I'm so glad you're here. You came. Yay. Let me show you where you put your coat. Avoid those people. That's where you get <laughs> drinks. And like, that's fine. You have a good time. But then maybe as you get more comfortable through the night, like you lose your host, but that's okay because you got like in the mix already and you feel comfortable and that's what made you stay. Sometimes I feel like with my identities and who I am and also the way that I like intentionally portray my identity, that's okay too, because I like playing that role. Yeah. Yes. You hear that, folks? Me and Berna, we are the people that when you go to that house party and you're trying <laughs> to figure out what the hell is a 401k, we got your back. A hundred percent. And it's like, <laughs> and also the the important role of like this host is like, I don't know where they keep the vodka, but let's go find it together. <laughs> or like, <laughs> I don't know when this party ends, but we're going to learn this stuff as a team. I love that role. Yeah. Okay. So... I watch a lot of your stuff on social media and I have so many questions about your relationship (laughs) with Instagram and social media because I know you're on on and then you're off and then you're on and then you're off. And I know why you're on and then you're off because it is hard to be on that platform. And I'm sure it's hard to have a large following like that where strangers just keyboard warriors, people just Mm. (laughs) popping off. Oh, they pop off. Oh, they pop off. They sure, as if they're paid, as if, as if all of us are paid to be there, they'd be popping off. It's wild. I mean, and I do have a theory that like, and I'm not the only one who has this theory, but there's probably tons of just like agitators that aren't real, right? It's just, mm. you know, they're bots or whatever. And their position, their goal is to just get everybody feeling all kerfuffled, you know, all upset. Mm. And it works, mm-hmm. but that's, that's kind of, you know, part of it. But I want to know how complicated it is, you know, where you're basically, and you talked about it a little bit, but it's hard to be on social media, right? And like, how hard is it? Because like, that is where you're making money. What is your relationship like navigating this thing that I feel like this is a parallel to like the, the relationship we all have with money in in Mm. and of itself, where it's like, we Mm. need it, but we hate it, but we love it. There's a lot of layers. Talk talk to me about how you're feeling about social media. It's so wild that you ask me this because literally just today I was having a conversation, like an hour ago, I was having a conversation with my agent because 
change is afoot. There is like change in the air about social media, about being a creator, being an influencer. Speaking personally for me, I, I, I hate that bitch, dude. I, <laughs> social media, like <laughs> we have ins and outs. We have we have good moments and bad moments. And right now, I I my I feel like we are frenemies. Mm-hmm. And maybe we've always been frenemies because on one side, social media is how I built all this, mm-hmm. right? Social media is the reason I have a book deal, the reason I have a community, the reason I've been able to be like a full-time solopreneur for years now. And I, it is so cloying. And I think I'm starting to get really deeply bone tired being subject to the algorithms at any given moment in time. And and it's not even, like you said, it's Part of it is also like the weird, sometimes the weird folks who come to you. But right now, what is top of mind is like, I do not want to, I don't want to S the D of this algorithm anymore. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, I'm sick of it. And I don't want to S the D of that algorithm over there or this new platform or that over there. Like, I'm so great. But it's kind of like Marie Kondo. I'm grateful. Thank you for what you've given to me. I do want to drop kick you out the window <laughs> at the moment because... Even after having launched a book this past April mm-hmm. and like gained a ton of followers, I feel like I've been feeding the beast pretty regularly and yet my engagement is going down and like follower count going down. I'm like, it's now been multiple years that I'm like, why do I stay in this toxic relationship? And I know why. It's because it was fun at first. It was so fun at first when it was no stakes, just learning, just creating. And so kind of like you're saying the relationship with money, it's the kind of thing where money can be such a fantastic tool if you know how to shape your relationship to it. And the tool itself doesn't necessarily change, but our emotions around it can be so complicated and very like amorphous and kind of like shape it like clay. Same with social media. I'm like, okay, capitalism's gonna capitalism, right? I can't really complain about the fact that social media at the end of the day is a tool of capitalism. And the point of social media and all the effects and all of the updates have to do with keeping me and other people on the app so they can make the most amount of ad dollars. I can't even really be mad at that. And so what do I need to figure out in my relationship to social media so that it's fun again? Hmm. I think personally, I'm in a place where I'm like, ooh, I was putting way too much dip on my social media chip. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of my confidence in my career came from social media. A lot of my work and like incoming like my income came from social media. And so I was leaning so hard on it. And now I'm like, how do I get back to a place where it's fun again? Because that's when, that's when it brought value to my life. Now it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a annoying cousin. Can't get rid of it, but I'm going to, I'm going to have to deal with it. You know? Yeah. I wonder, because I have always looked at social media very skeptically. One, Mm. I called my stuff like the hell yeah group because I just didn't want it to be because I'm lazy guys and I wanted <laughs> to build something and then pass it on to somebody and be like here you fucking run this thing yeah, totally but what happened was they were like no, no no show your face no you your voice and I was like oh this is how it works I hate it but yes. okay that's good to know <laughs> yes. thank you for telling me mm-hmm. I haven't put a lot of time into it because of exactly what you're describing I don't like pandering to the algorithm and I don't like that I'm not in control of Mm -hmm. being able to connect with my users. And so I've always been a, as you know, email newsletter proponent because then you 
it sounds crazy. It sounds weird to say like own your audience, but you, you, yeah. you have a more intimate relationship with them because you get to creep right into their inbox. Mm-hmm. That's very intimate. And it's not about an algorithm as you know, it's, it's just gets blasted into their inbox and they get to open it. And it feels just a little bit like we could be closer than with social media. That's been my experience. And that's all I have to say about that. But <laughs> Well, I a hundred percent agreed. It's like, you're able to, you're able to bypass all of the like insecurity shitstorm that comes about when you're on social media, especially when you've banked such a big part of your life on social media. Like now I'm uh, grappling with and unpacking the fact that like, one, I was always this like overachiever ass kid anyway, very high achieving, very like, I need affirmation in that way. Social media really giveth in that way, but then social media taketh away (laughs) whenever it wants to. Like (laughs) I've been talking to so many creators over the last couple of months who were just like, I don't know, I didn't change anything about the content I was giving. Like my community is rocking with me. And then suddenly like quote unquote shadow ban or all my engagement is going down. Like I, I've been putting way too much of my like identity and I think maybe too much of my identity and work in general, but then to this tool, like you said, that we don't have any control over. And yet like, it feels like that's where my community is. So it feels like that's where I'm, I have to be. But I really admire that you intentionally built community off, off the social medias so you can bypass all that mess. Because now I'm looking at my email newsletter list and things like that and being like, oh, I, I should have I invested more time growing that thing because she won't hurt my feelings she as won't. much as social media hurts my feelings. Yeah, she's your ride or die bitch for sure. Yes, exactly. There's, I need more of that. There's still time. I mean, all you have to do is just begin again. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. The, so you're also talking to talking about this feeling that that I don't like. And I like that this conversation is like turning into like the realities of being a creator. Totally. <laughs> there's so Again, like we said at the beginning before this call, you were like, how how would this be like a fruitful call for you? And I'm like, therapy, <laughs> unpaid bootleg therapy because we are going, she's going through it, we're going through it. So this is very helpful. Okay, so the other thing you're calling out, which I feel a lot, and I try to be on social media as little as possible. I use a blocker called Opal mm-hmm. and I make her block my shit for 12 hours from 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. I wake up very early, 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. And... I allow like a short window for when I have to post. That's, and then I, and then I cram, I cram, 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 looking at like the discover page to repost things. That's what my social media diet. And that's how I participate on social media. And it reflects on my numbers. Like I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a heavy hitter on the platform. But the Mm. thing that I notice, even when I went on this, you know, more strict diet of being on social media is that it's, still reinforces scarcity in my life. Like Mm. it makes time disappear. That 15 minutes gone. Wow. In a snap. Yep. And then it it's engineered to exploit like your natural human tendency to compare yourself to others. So then you're constantly reinforcing what you don't have. That other person, whatever they have, whatever it was, you don't have it, bitch. And Mm -hmm. that's what social media does. So yeah, it's I, it makes me always feel like I'm not doing enough and therefore I am not enough, right? That's so wild too. And you've you've minimized your contact with the app in a very intentional way. That sounds so beautiful and euphoric and it still gets you. Still gets me. It still sneaks in. Like it's, it's I mean, you've got 
uh, on a platform like Meta, Instagram, there are thousands of people making sure that it gets you. So it doesn't surprise me that even in, in small increments, it'll still make you feel like crap. Do you feel like it reinforces scarcity in your life? Massively. Okay, giant secret that I typically only whisper to other financial creators. I have muted so many other financial creators and other entrepreneurs and solopreneurs in general because like anybody else, I also go to Instagram to escape. Mm -hmm. I go to Instagram to watch like incredibly beautifully choreographed hip hop routines that I'm never going to accomplish. <laughs> I go to look at dogs. I go to look at memes. I go, you know, like I want to, I want the escapism that the app does have to offer me. I'm like, I will, I will S that D. Great. Yes. Thank you for the gifts. <laughs> and then seeing examples of work from people, it's basically like being like whacked in the face by your quote unquote competition all the time, which is wild to say, mm -hmm. because you and I work in a place like we work in financial education in a lot of ways, specifically for the whole reason that like there aren't enough of us. And so it's wild though, because Instagram will still do its thing and do its dance to make you believe that that is your competition and you don't have enough and your numbers should look like, look like that and you should be launching this. And that's why I've muted so many of like colleagues. I want to give them my follow. I want to support when I see it. But my God, the spiral that I can get into... Woo, is unending when you see a piece of good news or like something yeah. wonderful. Yeah, it works. I mean, yeah, I definitely feel the same way. I'm constantly wondering if my efforts are being wasted doing other things. Like mm -hmm. one of the other things I recently started to care about was just like, I just, I've never really cared about, you know, growth or subscribership and open rates. I'm not, I just wanted to make good stuff for good people and feel mm -hmm. like, proud, look at myself in the mirror. And I have the privilege to be able to do that because I run a service-based business. And that's really where a lot of the revenue comes from. So a lot of the media stuff, the book, all of that is like a little bit more playful for me and it's much lower stakes, right? But I, the thought is gone. It escaped my brain. Where was I going with this? Well, I can, I can take it because I'm listening to that and I'm like, that is exactly where I'm needing to like steer my ship towards because the majority of my revenue has been influencer shit. Like it's been, and it's been incoming, right? It's like stuff that I'm being pitched. It's like sponsorship deals, it's speaking gigs. And that's lasted now for years. And I'm just like, yeah, social media, thank you, thank you. And so the stakes are so much higher for me. So mm -hmm. then I feel so much more pressure around my numbers. I feel so much more pressure around engagement, which again is wild because we were just talking about how so much of that is out of our control. Right. But then when the algorithm gods decide that, like to cast you out, that you're a peasant, then suddenly you're looking at your well-produced media. You're looking at your wonderful community. You're looking at like all the hard work and knowledge that you put into this thing and being like, wow, do I suck at this now? Am I not enough? And it was just by the whims of AI, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? That's like, and it's, it feels so high stakes for me for sure. Wait, okay. I remember where I was going with this. I started to care about my numbers, unfortunately and tragically. Oh, and trap. I, it is a trap. Well, you know, I have corporate overlords for this podcast, right? And they're mm -hmm. like, you know, I guess. growth. And Definitely. I'm looking at, you know, being in this game for as many years as I am. I'm like, should I monetize my content? I'm doing it. I'm making so much goddamn content. Maybe I should like look at putting ads in the newsletter, all these things, right? So once you start to understand those metrics, right, it's, like, okay, so the more engaged, the more numbers, the greater the payout. Okay, I see how mm -hmm. this works. So I'm working on 
growing. And the, what do I do when I'm working on growing? I'm going to find people online who've done this before. I'm going to subscribe to their email newsletters. I'm going to listen to their podcasts. I'm going to watch their YouTube videos. The thing that I did not realize what was going to happen was the intense lack that has been planted like tiny little seeds because the email subjects are like, this creator makes 50K a month. And <sighs> at first it was really exciting, right? I was like, oh shit, this is cool. Uh, I want to know what your things, your tricks are, whatever, your hacks. How do you do this? Mm -hmm. Spoiler alert, like everybody's like, oh, first just make really good content. I'm like, okay, <laughs> duh. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Got it. Check. Right. But mm -hmm. that that's something I didn't anticipate. I didn't anticipate that this like corner of the internet, this creator, right? Because I... I just never really looked at it that hard. I never really looked at like, oh, what is what does it mean to be a creator? What does that look like economics wise? What like what are you burdened with? And what mm -hmm. is your responsibility, right? It's to grow your audience and then to quote unquote monetize that. So now that I'm learning sure. about it, that was hitting me hard when I would like open up my e email and see that email. I'm like, okay, this one week ago, I was thrilled. One week later, just a mere <laughs> week later, I'm like, I need to unsubscribe from these. These are making me feel like a piece of garbage trash who doesn't know what the hell they're doing because for eight years, I've just been giving away my content and not monetizing it. So oh, I don't know God. how you... Tell me, do you subscribe to anything like this? Are you learning from other creators whose content is like how to make it as a creator? And am I the only one who feels garbagey after engaging with some of this stuff? Not at all. This is like, I'm sure this is documented somewhere for other industries and other things of just the like the adoption and like the the honeymoon period of like, I'm going to learn, I'm going to be this person. They've amassed wild amounts of wealth and now they're going to teach me how to do it too. And I believe them. And then you get into that phase, every single time you get into that phase of just like, well, one part of what they said already doesn't, or like I'm already stuck on, on step one and a half. I'm still stuck. In the meantime, they're still beating me over the head with how they made a six-figure week. And so what am I missing? And I still, I personally also have never traversed that hill. Like I've also followed other creators who were like, and I'll show you how to make $10 million in two seconds. <laughs> but then you have to ask like how much, like they, they got me, right? I got got. Mm -hmm. How much of their business is just them getting people and like convincing other people that they can do it, they can do it, they can do it while really withholding what actually got there. Half like part of me listening to you telling the story, I'm like, oh my God, did Paco figure it out? <laughs> like, is what did you learn? You know what I mean? But it, this is where I think us as creators, we always hit that wall of just like, there, there seems to be something that like other creators are not telling us, <laughs> like how they are making their money, how they're making their growth. And I don't know if that's like a gatekeeping thing or if it's like, uh, there was no interest to teach you in the first place, but haha, now you're on my email list thing. But the way that I'm navigating it, actually, I'm, I'm glad that you asked a couple of other creators that I know who are both in money and not in money. We are starting to kind of come together and create our own little like lunch and learning masterminds. Because what's so hard about being a creator and a, a solopreneur is that you don't, at least as like, as the solo creator, you don't have coworkers. Yeah. Like in your bookkeeping business, I imagine, yes, you do have coworkers and colleagues, but as you, Paco, who is now pushing this podcast and needs to grow, like it's just you plus you equals you. <laughs> and that also means you and your anxieties. That means you and your insecurities. That means you and your limits. And so another creator, Kara and I got together and we're like, this is 
ass. I need coworkers. <sighs> mm-hmm. And I need those like corporate lunch and learns where you sit down and you talk to someone about how they've grown X, Y, Z. And you learn together because otherwise everything happens in a silo. What's really funny is that my friend Kara and I are like, okay, so who do we want to learn from? Probably exactly the places that you are in. Who do we want to learn from? Who seems like they got it together? Who seems like they're actually building their businesses and like amassing a, a, the kind of wealth that we want in a way that feels morally sound? And for weeks we were like, oh God, I don't think there's anyone we <laughs> <laughs> we don't trust anybody or like, do we, what's the, it feels salesy. That part has been a little difficult, but we're learning. Yeah. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing. And of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do find this missing girlfriend and tell her story with the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one like my producer Anna oh my god my friend Dr. Mindy Shapiro hi it's Dr. Shapiro and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner and of course Gail's sister Elaine Katz having no closure it kills you join us as we try to solve a 35 year old cold case It's not going to be easy, 
but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Johnny, what's the matter? It's your little brother's birthday party. Why the long face? Well, Pops, my friend Davey told me that he opened up a savings account, and when you do that, the bank pays you to keep your money there. It's called interest. That's right, Johnny. Say, I reckon it's about time you start your rainy day fund. We'll go to the bank together and open up a high-yield money market account. Is that a savings account? It sure is, Johnny. And here's what's great about it. A high-yield money market savings account has a higher interest rate than a regular savings account. So you can ask Davey how he likes them apples. I'll ask him, Dad. Thanks for your advice. Now I know. And knowing is half the battle. Weird Finance! Weird Well, okay, so the feeling that we get from engaging with this, that kind of content, clearly and obviously, like we we feel that and for sure, I know that I don't sound weird and making, I don't make people feel like crap about, you know, where they're at and you don't make people feel like crap about where they're at. So if we're here making finance content for the people, then there's got to be somebody else out there who's making, you know, creator content that is not going to make us feel like garbage. So if yes. you're listening and you know that person, please let me and Berna know. <laughs> but well, I invite anyone who vibes with this into our conversations and this mastermind because that's what's hard. It's not like people are going around with a label on their head like, I'm unproblematic, <laughs> you can follow me, or I'm not lying, or I am anti-capitalist or whatever. Sometimes it's not until you're deep into their funnel that you're like, oh, this is BS. Yeah. Oh, They're trying to upsell God. you, right? You went to yes. a one thing. And then they're like, here's the eight secrets. But if you, you know, and you're doing the eight secrets and they're like, what if you really actually want to unlock wealth? I would like to give you this exclusive invitation oh, into this one God. day intensive. And then you're like, what? Uh, maybe, yeah. maybe I'll get to yeah. And then you buy the one day intensive and you're learning some shit. They're just like reinforcing. They have people who come up and tell success stories. Then at the end is the, the next pitch uh, for this accelerator program. Like that's, what a lot of the stuff out there is. So be, buyer beware if, uh, I'm sure you, I'm sure the listener is an educated, smart listener, but you know, every once in a while we get got as Berna says. So be careful 100%. out there guys. Yes, because we're looking for guidance as well. And I, not knowing enough about what I'm about to say, I do feel like, I'm like, is this how Scientology works? Where they're just sort of like, woo, get to the next level, bleep, 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 bleep. And sometimes you get so far in that you're like, how did I, how did I get here? What have I learned? Yeah. This is why it's so difficult because now it's like, what? one of the questions that I keep going over in my mind and with other creators is like, okay, I understand the funnel. Yeah. I understand that it works. <laughs> okay. I get, I get it. There, there are courses on courses on how to funnel on funnel. Do I have to do that then in yeah. order to build this business? Do I need to? Are there people doing it in a way that doesn't feel icky? It always or is feels that icky. antithetical? That always feels icky. Yeah. Does everything feel icky? Like I'm just, I have, what is this? Yeah, so a funnel for people who are listening and don't understand, it's like, you know, you find you find like a digital creator online, you sign up mm -hmm. for their newsletter, and then all of a sudden every day they're hitting you with some shit. And then ultimately, 
And it's feel, feels innocent at first. They're like, let me tell you a story about my kid and this, my, our dog. Yeah. I don't know. They start storytelling. Mm-hmm. Then they relate it yeah. back to whatever it is they're an expert on. But then you get hit like daily. And then the next thing you know, they're like, you, they're just giving you the hard pitch for a, a workshop, a mastermind, a course or whatever. And mm-hmm. I don't want to say that, that those things are not helpful, but the funnel itself does feel weird and scam. And I just want to say, I had a funnel like in 2019. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sure. I didn't know. It is what it is. <laughs> I didn't like know it was so weird and scammy until I really <laughs> took a step back and was like, I just followed. Somebody taught me about marketing online. Of course, I took a course about a course. Sure. And then it took me a while to be like, I don't think this feels good for others or me really. So I no. stopped the funnel. But I don't know what the answer is, Bernard. I don't know how you can be a creator on the internet, using social media, making money and feeling good. Because here's my other question to you, something that I've just started to contend with because I've never done ads before. Mm. How does, does it sometimes feel weird to partner with brands and know that you're making ads at the end of the day? Because how I feel about ads, I think with every advertisement, there is an underlying feeling of scarcity. I hate to say it, but it's like, because we're pushing this product or service, right? It's like, without this, you're lacking. So Mm -hmm. tell me what's going on between the ears when it comes to navigating (sighs) ads. That is a great question. I literally just this week put up a little reel. You know how people have like speaker reels? Mm Mm-hmm. I decided to put together a little like brand partnerships reel because this is, and this is how I started the video. I was like, this is something that's like not cool to say as a creator, but I kind of love brand partnerships. Okay. I kind of love doing sponsored content. And the asterisk though, is that I, I try to be very picky about who I partner with. I also try to be really transparent with my community. Like, Hey, this is sponsored content. I'm not saying I founded the company. I'm not saying I'm like, I'm like a stakeholder and I get to make decisions. What I am saying is in a perfect world, I would be giving everybody free content all the time, but I have bills to pay. Mm -hmm. And I am a person inside of capitalism trying to navigate all of this too. I am trying to work on my own like neuroses that it's like okay and fair and I deserve to be paid for the work that I'm doing. But because of what I'm trying to run, because a lot about my work is about accessibility, Mm -hmm. I feel weirder taking money from people who I'm trying to teach how to budget. And so in this world where I am also compromised inside of capitalism, I got to take money from somewhere. Yeah. And so I'm like, maybe there's a there's a break or a gap in my brain, but I'm like, I'm cool with being Robin Hood as long as, you know, I'm taking from the rich, giving to us and distributing wealth in the form of I get paid then to give free information out. I just then have to really refine and be transparent about what I'm talking about. I'm letting my audience know this is an ad. I'm letting them know that when they see sponsored content from me, all they have to do is do free stuff. Click, oh, burn a comment and the thing is so good. <laughs> click the link. No, you don't have to buy it. This is why sponsored content for me, I have different feelings about sponsored content versus affiliate content. So I'm making sure that my communication with my community is very transparent. And I'm making sure that whoever I'm creating with basically is down for me, me making whatever. Like I am very clear, I'm very clear now with brands that I'm like, I basically just want to do what I do and then talk about you at the end or do what I do, but talk about you in a way that makes me feel creatively excited. And I actually believe in your brand and I want to talk about it versus like, 
an obvious walking, talking commercial. So it's weirdly a place where I have a lot of fun. Yeah. Like when I align with a brand that I like, I'm like, oh, I actually feel good about talking about your brand at this point and in this way. And again, there needs to be a lot of transparency all the way through. But I do feel okay with the fact that like my audience can get something out of the video or out of the media without buying or needing to buy in or sign up for the thing. I have a good time with it. Affiliate stuff, I don't, I, I'm still, I feel fear and fight or flight about. <laughs> okay, affiliate stuff for the listeners is when, let's say I have an online course or something and you then are going to get a piece of revenue for every course sale that you make marketing to your audience. That's affiliate, yes. yes. Yes, 100%. Or I've gotten weirdly a, a, a good amount of affiliate like offers and pitches, even though I don't do affiliate marketing ever. But if I had a blog, for example, a, an affiliate marketing relationship would be like, I tell you to sign up for this credit card. And every time you sign up, everybody who signs, signed up for this credit card, I get $25. And usually if it's something like that, you should be really transparent about it. But that I feel a little ickier about because... Really? Yeah, because then... I would, literally was just talking about this with my agent an hour ago because we were like, affiliate? I don't know. Because we work in financial education, it's so much more sensitive to me, like what I am telling people to pay or give their money to or sign up for. Like the example that my agent used was like, you know, if you were a lifestyle influencer and you were like, buy this chair. Here's where I got this chair. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, it's a chair. Okay. Sure. Like you don't like the chair, you return the chair, you toss the chair. But I would feel so much worse if I was like, sign up for this bank. I only get paid when you actually sign up for the bank. So you sign up for the bank, turns out they're a piece of shit. Or you sign up for the card, turns out the terms are ass. I feel so much more on the hook about that because in order for me to have like been watered from this transaction, I needed you to become a customer for that thing. And so I feel like the stakes are so much higher Hmm. And I don't want to mess with people's financial relationship. But at least with sponsored content, I could be like, you can just take, like, I'm almost like ignore the part where I'm about to say, sponsored, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, here's a budget. Yeah, yeah, keep scrolling. <laughs> and you can, we can all ignore it. We know what this is. Affiliate marketing is like, I don't get paid unless you play. And I don't like pressuring people to play. I do affiliate marketing on my website. Oh, yeah? Yeah, well, I just have a resource page. And yes. I just recommend things that I use. So I'll just say, this is what I'm using right now. And it's like the one budgeting app that I really like right now is Copilot. I don't even, I don't really open it that much. Don't don't get too excited. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Me and budgeting apps just never got along. But that so far, that's been the one that I, it's like the least painful. So I put that affiliate. And then the other one that does really well, which is surprising me because I'm like, how is this happening? is the Mm. one I recommend for Gusto, which is a payroll service provider. And I don't feel badly about recommending a payroll service provider to people because truthfully, there's not that many players. Uh, There's like Gusto, ADP is kind of old feeling. Like I've been inside of the website. It's a bad experience. (laughs) Paychecks, same thing. Old, bad experience. QuickBooks, Mm. it's like, okay, let's try to diversify. Intuit is so damn rich already. Like just yes. use a different provider. Don't give them your money. So I feel good yes. about recommending Gusto. I'd say 90% of my roster of clients is all on Gusto. So this nice. feels fine for me. And I'm not ever doing like a post dedicated to Gusto. I'm never like doing a thing where I'm like highlighting Gusto. I just, Gusto, sorry if I'm saying it wrong. I just 
have it on my resource page. And it's shocking to me that people are clicking around on my website so much and they click on that and then they then they sign up for Gusto. They must be really looking for a payroll service. Yes. Or like maybe it's that's just a testament to how much Gusto has cornered the market. But like, I think that that is the secret sauce right there with affiliate marketing. These are things that you believe in. And it's like, you're talking about anyway or would recommend anyway. So yeah, you might as well get paid for the people that find it through you. Like that is the golden door. And I think I, I'm like, look, I'm with affiliate marketing right now because it's these companies that are like, hi, we're, we're 10 minutes old and yeah. we're coming from out of nowhere. Do you want to get paid every time someone signs up? And I'm like, I don't even know. I don't know you, but it really should be more reviewing my own work seeing who I talk about anyway, yeah. and then being like, you might as well give me an affiliate marketing relationship because I've sent 7 million jillion people to sign up for the freaking Chase Sapphire Reserve. Like, come on now. There should be right. something like that. That is where I feel like it just, it makes total sense. Okay, well, we worked through something today. I feel like we got, I moved you from feeling very uncomfortable about affiliate marketing to <laughs> having one framework of thinking in a way that it could work for you. So a hundred percent, I think we accomplished what we set out to accomplish. Oh, a hundred (laughs) thousand percent, especially because, and maybe if my therapist would were here, she would be like, yeah, this is how Berna does therapy. You just let her talk and then she'll figure it out. You know what I mean? Like you don't, she doesn't actually want guidance. She just wants to rant and find her way to the, to the solution, which is, I think what we're hitting on, it's like, a lot of it is perspective and like finding, okay, this is icky. This is not icky. Here's where it's not icky for me. The problem is the door of not icky is so tiny yeah. sometimes in the wide world of things you can do as a creator. So that's, that's, that's rough to navigate, but I feel like I have an ally here, which is nice. You know what? I say that all the time, actually. Sometimes when I'm just feeling annoyed that things are not moving as quickly as I want them to be moving for my career, I just mm-hmm. say to myself, I wish I was like if I was just greedier, yes. <laughs> oh my God! If I just was is, greedier, <laughs> yes. This is the wild part: is you and I know very well exactly how to make ten million dollars in ten minutes. We could make courses on courses. Da, 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 but we da, da, could da, team da. up, and we would be great. <laughs> oh my! We would. Oh my! Especially on this like non-male pale step. <laughs> oh, we would kill Paco. We would kill. We would know exactly what to do. And that's what I say to other creators too. Like, you know what to do to make that kind of wealth. You just don't want to do it. Right. And it just doesn't align with you. That's the difficult part is like standing in your principles and standing in, It's maybe it's not difficult to stand in your morals and principles, but it's difficult to find that avenue, that door that aligns with you because there are actually 7 million doors open. It's just 6 million, <sighs> of them. Super Garbage. Sack. Yeah. Garbage. Yeah. Yes. Well, okay. I also feel better about my own mental place in the in work right now. But I want to say like, I don't know if this conversation has been valuable to anyone. I hope that it has <laughs> been. It's in a look inside of like maybe two people who you think have it together, right? We're out here helping people with their finances. Yet behind the curtain, we're just like, what the fuck are we doing? And are we doing okay? Are we doing it right? I just want to feel like I'm enough, right? I've had a lot of conversations as of late where people are feeling really not great. Mm. Their student loans are accruing interest now and they're going to have to start paying those back real, real soon. Inflation is at an all-time high. Interest rates are pretty nar-nar. And (laughs) we have all of these labor disputes. And here living in Los Angeles, the city 
I feel that everybody feels that the strike is having an economic impact. So a lot of my mm. conversations have been people who I thought, oh, you have a great job. You have a steady job. You pick something really stable. You're going to be fine. They're worried. And so mm. I think this conversation that you and I are having, maybe it's not us directly saying that we're worried, but it might be like more of a microcosm of of everybody else kind of feeling nervous and advertisers pulling back and people being a little bit more cautious. So I'm going to ask you like the hardest question. And it's a hard question for me, which is why I like to ask my guests to try to answer it. But like, what <laughs> what is your advice to people who are feeling weird about the overall economic vibe right now? What can they do to feel a little less anxious? Oh my gosh. It's so funny that you're asking me this because I was asking the tarot this for myself last night. Literally, I was in my co-working space on a couch like, what are you going to do? And I saw a tarot deck and I was like, it's time to consult the stars. <laughs> and so uh, whatever wisdom one might find from this, know that it's been like a 24-hour turnaround on this wisdom. But I'm I'm feeling very cup-filled just by from this conversation because, and it's really simplistic, but like understanding that you're not by yourself in it is such a relief. Like, the layers of anxiety that I feel because, or I felt and have felt because I'm like, it's just me, I guess, that's not killing it. Because like we were just saying, you go on Instagram for two seconds and it seems like everyone else is killing it. But the under, the thought and the shame that comes when you think that you're by yourself and you're doing the worst makes everything 17 times ickier. And so even just in the last 48 hours, having had more transparent conversations, not just with creators, with my own agent who's like, yeah, dude, it's like weird desert out here for everybody. I'm like, Jesus, okay. Not to high school musical, but like we are all in this together. That's almost the only piece of advice I have right now is just like, I, I'm just, I'm, you're watching me live process my relief that I'm not alone in this and that this is being felt across industries. Purses are like tight. That's honestly all I have right now. Everything else would be sort of fluffy Hallmark stuff that I don't fully believe yet. But if we checked in in like a week, I might have more more advice from the chest for you. Oh, fluffy Hallmark stuff. I'm intrigued now. Come on. Oh, we can do the fluffy Hallmark? Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Again, as a financial hype woman, I'm very good at also being like, yeah, yeah, you got it. <laughs> I don't got it, but you got it. Those who <clears throat> cannot do hype? Yeah. Oh my, a hundred percent. Those, those who, who are lying on the floor every other second... Can hype. I was, was I was voted most school spirited twice in my life. Oh wow! There's one thing I can do is get excited about things that I'm not necessarily super that excited about personally. <laughs> but I would say that like uh, from coming from a grounded place of hype, I am taking this moment to go. You know what? Maybe this is just <laughs> this is woo woo. Maybe this is just a sign for me that like I need to really pivot and act differently if I want to take whatever this is to the next level. Like what got me here was like surfing on incoming speaking gigs and surfing on incoming sponsorship deals and all that stuff. And I feel like almost systemically, maybe I'm just like now being narcissistic and projecting what's happening on a much greater scale just onto myself. But there's a part of my brain that wants to be like, it's over. <laughs> it's over. Creative life is over. Creative life is over. Pack it in. Like put your job on the, job applications in everywhere you can. But I think for me, it's a personal challenge to be like, well, you you moved one way to get here. You're just going to have to move differently if you want to get to where, where else, you know? Like if you want to keep amassing a certain amount of wealth to sustain yourself and sustain your community, 
then you're going to have to literally act differently. Like to sit and think about how you wish things will be different is not going to get you anywhere. Like now you're going to have to, like we, like we were talking about, try those affiliate marketing like relationships that you kind of close the door to, but how can you try that in a way that does feel good? Maybe I do want to make a course. Paco, if you see me out here with funnels <laughs> in the next six months, <laughs> please don't look me directly in the eye, but maybe you could find a way to do it that does feel good. Like now is the time to, to pivot hard. Yeah. Wow. That's great advice. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. Thank you. I'm talking myself. This is me to me in a mirror. I like Not it. so sure if I believe it just yet, but we'll get there. I'm going to hit you with some rapid fire questions to close this out. Are you down? Yes. Always. Okay. Tell me, is there something that you've purchased that maybe to the naked eye seems frivolous, but for you is money well spent? Oh my gosh. My, I'm looking at her right now. It's not, it's not a creature. Not to <laughs> alarm anybody. I didn't buy a creature recently. It's a giant like foam bag. It's not a bean bag. It's full of recycled foam. Mm. My brother had one in his house. I, I've fallen asleep on it 17 times. Now I have one. It takes up like 45% of my living room. Worth but it? I cannot. Oh my God. Sometimes I lay in it and I'm like, this is literally the only piece of furniture I'll ever need for the rest of my life. So comforting, so cozy. And it also makes me feel like there's a part of me that lives in like a 90s like sitcom that is really satisfied by the fact that like this is an adult purchase that I've made. Oh, uh, I have so many toys in my studio. You can see them on my bookshelf. I can. And it's kind of the toys. same feeling of like, I'm in charge now. I did it. <laughs> exactly. I'm the captain. You're going back to your child, your financial childhood trauma being like, you can't have it. You can't have it. Yes, I can. Yep. <laughs> I can. You can't stop me. Okay. What's one piece of advice, financial or otherwise, that you'd give to your younger self? Breathe. I think when I think about my younger self... My younger self was even more played with anxiety than I am now, even though I'm an adult with higher stakes problems. My younger self thought that the anxiety was the way I'm supposed to be and that whatever my anxiety was telling me, like to be a good girl, to be a good student, to be the highest achieving, that's how you're gonna like survive and get love. And it's all very trauma related, right? I don't think enough people, enough adults in my life told me, some did, they tried, uh, to just breathe like, the idea that maybe humans are just plants and like maybe sometimes, not all the time, but it's enough to just exist and be pretty and be watered and sit there. I wish I did a lot more of that as a, as a kid. Hmm. Great advice. Mm -hmm. Did you have any financial superstitions growing up? Man, yeah. It's funny because I'm, I'm looking into the corners of my living room where I have little piles of coins. And this all happened around New Year's. Being Filipino, my mom had so many different superstitions around New Year's. But one of them was that we had to put coins that were newly acquired from the bank, by the way, not random coins. They had to come, like my mom would come in on New Year's Eve and have like the rolls of coins and would distribute them fresh into our pockets. Midnight hits. And one of the things that we have to do, of the many things that we have to do, is jump around and jangle the coins in our pockets, right? Mm -hmm. And make sure you make a bunch of noise. And then you put those coins in the different corners of your house because it's supposed to then attract wealth. So I have, now people come into my apartment, they're like, why is there a pile of coins next to the door? I'm like, we don't have enough time. <laughs> I'll tell you later. Wait, I have one where my grandma used to make me carry this dollar coin in my okay. wallet. And I don't know why, but it had something taped to it. So it just was this coin with all this. I I can't ask her now because she's passed away, but she used to make mm. me carry it around. There was something taped to the coin. And I remember being out with my friends paying for something at like 
the food court in the mall and then being like, what's mm-hmm. this weird crusty taped coin in your wallet <laughs> with mystical runes on it like what's going on what like, was the thing taped to it i don't know it could have been a religious medallion or some old rice i really don't know <laughs> got anything <laughs> but you're like there's a part of you that believed you it, didn't you didn't take it out yeah and i'm like i can't do my grandma dirty like that <laughs> yeah it's true exactly that's especially when it's ancestor related it's like okay you can clown me all you want but <laughs> My grandma's going to visit me in my sleep, exactly. so no, I'm not getting rid of this. I didn't do all the steps growing up. We didn't get newly acquired coins. We did jump up and down with them, and then we didn't put them in the corners of the house. So maybe I'll do that this new year. It's so, at this point, it's just funny to impose upon my friends. <laughs> There's also the the superstition of like, you have to wear all new clothes. That was my mom's thing. And also there needs to be circles on you somewhere. Yeah, polka dots, yeah. Polka dots, hoop earrings. My mom like bangs pots and pans at midnight and like has all the doors and windows open so that like evil spirits can leave. Mm-hmm. Girl, she has a great time. My do mom you, loves New Year's. Do you have to do the one, this is the weirdest one and the only one my mom still makes me do. Like uh, if we don't spend New Year's, New Year's Eve together, the next time I see her, which literally could be like February or March, she still has me do this. There's like a pillow or, of some sort where you take out the stuffing and then you're supposed, your children, I guess, are supposed to put the stuffing back in the pillow. I don't... What? Yeah, so when I go home, she'll be like, can you put the... You need to put the stuffing back in the pillow. And she'll have like the pillow out with the stuffing next to it. And I would have to just walk into her bedroom as a 30-year-old woman, grab the (laughs) stuffing, put it back in the pillow and just go, cool, we're still doing this, mom. I'll ask her next time I see her. And I'll yeah, text what does you. it indicate? <laughs> I don't Please know. do, because I, okay, I'm a double Scorpio. <laughs> I love superstitions. You just you just need to tell me once and I will adopt it <laughs> sight unseen. So I'm going to start taking the stuffing out of my pillows. But I do want to know why. Like, what's that about? Why all the kids? Why? I don't know. What happens if you don't? I don't know. And then she sews it up and we do it again the next year. The same pillow? I can't remember. You know, I, I, I'm bad with these details. I apologize. Oh my God, please, from from your mom to me, like let her know that I really need to know <laughs> and I will adopt it immediately. So thank you. Of course, you're, I'm glad I can add to your very long New Year's Eve routine. Oh my God, my friends are sick of me at this, but we're all like sick of my mom. And then when I have New Year's, like without my parents, my friends are like, Berno, please. I'm like, did we get the 12 different circle shaped fruit? Did we get noodles for long life? <laughs> so fair. You're a little tyrant. I'm the captain now. I am. I'm the captain. Exactly. It's my childhood self being like, I can make up whatever games I want. We're playing. Okay. That, it's supposed to be rapid fire, but it, honestly, with every interview, it's never rapid fire. But here's the last right. one. Okay. Do you have any financial fumbles that you can look back on and laugh at? Oh my gosh. I immediately go to my college self who, when this is back when banks were able to be on college campuses and like table, Bank of America offered me a sweater and I was like, sounds good. And they're $6,000 later. <laughs> 12 years like, of your life. I want this sweater a hundred percent. And I'm like, this sweater wasn't even cute. It was USC branded, which I could have gotten at the bookstore. There's nothing different. I was just like, Free sweater right now? You know, you're a college student. That really kicked off some dark times for me in adulthood. <laughs> so I really wish. I really wish I didn't. If someone's selling you something from a table, a financial product from a table, walk away. Run. That's excellent advice. That is really, yes. really good advice. I'm hoping so. Thank you. Oh, drama. All right, Berna, this has been a lot of fun for me. I'm glad I got to just dig in and pepper you with all these creator questions. 
I hope that the audience is feeling like, okay, people who seem like they have it together and are successful are also just trying to figure it out. So we're all just trying to figure it out, folks. If you want to learn more from Berna, you can follow her along on her Instagram. And what what is the Instagram account, Berna? It is Hey Berna, H-E-Y-B-E-R-N-A. And you should sign up for her email newsletter because I hear she's going to start blasting them out again. So where can they sign up? That would be amazing. <laughs> Unfortunately, you do have to, the easiest way is to go to my Instagram at the moment and click on that link at my bio. Click on the link in my bio to sign up for my newsletter. I'm sure there's a link somewhere on my website too, but a girl is working on it, okay? I got to get my funnels together. <laughs> so Instagram the, first. There you go. And your your new book, Money Out Loud, is available, I'm sure, wherever books are available. Yes, it's available wherever books are available. I'm currently, I have a partnership going with my favorite local bookstore, Green Apple Books. We might be able to extend it depending on when you hear this. But when you order through Green Apple Books, I sign the copy before it goes out and you can go into the comments and tell me whatever wild story you want me to write to because I love I love a local bookstore. There's no extra kickbacks or anything like that. I just love a bookstore. So that link can also be found on the link in my bio. Wow, sorry. And we'll link to everything in the show notes. Berna, it's been a pleasure. It's been a joy. And I hope to have you, I hope to have you on again. And I hope our paths will cross many, 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 many times. Me too, Paco. Thank you so much. I'm now going to do all the superstitious things to make sure that that happens. I'm just going to pretend that that's relevant. <laughs> love it. Thank love you. it. Love it. Have a good one. You too. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything. A moment that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these very moments. The last couple of years has been the hardest season of our marriage for sure. I'm surprised our marriage survived it. I think we both are. I think we both were barely holding on. Mm. Nothing compares to how hard this is. Their stories are full of candor, awe, and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. True behavior change is really identity change. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. 
Listen to A Slight Change of Plans on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad, is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor, and meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Welcome to Loose Change. On this edition, instead of talking to strangers out in the wild, I made a post on Instagram asking people to share their thoughts on how frequently they're thinking about money these days. Lots of people answered several times daily, and some said constantly. Here's a message we received on the hotline that I wanted to share. Hi, Paco. I saw the post on Instagram asking how often people think about money. And I wanted to share um, that I think about it all the time, Um, especially now because my mom passed away in April and I inherited more money than I've ever had personally. As an adult, I've always lived hand to mouth and was never really taught the importance of managing money in a healthy way my mom was you know British originally and was born in 1942 and so her relationship to money is very different it was very toxic you know in that she never wanted to spend it and never you know anytime she did have to spend it it caused her severe anxiety my dad spent in excess lots of credit card debt and so, and then they would obviously fight all the time. They kept all their finances separate because it was such a point of contention in their marriage. And I kind of learned those two things, but I edged on the side of my dad because my mom's wages seemed so strict and confining, but then I ended up being in a lot of debt all of, since I left. No, actually, since I got my first credit card at 21. And then up until very recently when she passed and I was able to pay off debt. And so now I have this money. We, My husband and I are buying a house with it. You know, but it gives me a ton of anxiety. Like even though there's more than I have made four times what I would ever have made in a year uh, in my bank accounts right now, I am like terrified that it's going to go away or be taken from me. And uh, 
that's how my mom felt. So I am going to talk to a financial advisor, but I just wanted to confess that, you know, it's on my mind all the time, maybe even more than her death is, which is outrageous. I also like know that she would want me to do something with it that made her proud. And I just, you know, if I buy a coffee or if I buy a book or something, I feel like a ton of shame. So I am, you know, again, going to go to talk to a financial advisor and, you know, we'll figure it out. But I just wanted to share that. Thanks for being here. Bye. Lately, folks around me have been talking about money and worrying about money more than what has felt like typical. Some of it has to do with the overall vibes in Los Angeles being kind of off because of the strike in Hollywood. But I also suspect it has a lot to do with student loan payments resuming, high interest rates, which makes home ownership seem even more out of reach, and inflation making things more expensive. If you'd like to participate and be featured in our next segment of Loose Change, email us at weirdfinancepod at gmail.com, or you can just leave me a message at 1-833-ASK-PACO. Thanks. Thank you again for listening to Weird Finance. If you like the show, please express that like by giving us a positive review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help us out a lot. And if you'd like to receive even more content from me, you can sign up for my weekly email newsletter, The Nerd Letter. Each week, I'll send you a short email of things I've read and recommend. Sign up for it at thehellyagroup.com. Here we are at the end of another episode of Weird Finance, an iHeartMedia production, and just would not be possible without the help of many wonderful, caring, hardworking, and talented folks like my producer, Ramsey Yunt. He produced, edited, did some sound design, and he even sang a little bit on this episode. Thank you to our anonymous caller who shared their thoughts on thinking about money for this week's Loose Change segment. And thank you so much to Ramsey Yunt and Andrew Howard for lending their voices for this week's PSA. If you have any comments, questions about money, suggestions, or you want to be a part of the show, give us a call at 833-ASK-PACO. That's 833-275-7226. Or send us an email at weirdfinancepod at gmail.com. That's it. We'll catch you here next week. In the meantime, take care. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford. 
a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care and we'll see you there.